Good morning, New Beginnings Christian Community Church family and friends. My name is Pastor Alfredo Peña, and I am excited that you are joining us this morning. I want to thank our praise and worship team for leading us in this time of worship. I want to thank our brother Chris White for leading us in celebration of communion. And now we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us into what he has to teach us this morning. The scripture reading for today is in the book of Matthew, chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. And then we're going to jump to 18 to 23. The title of my sermon is called A Heart for the Harvest. Let us pray. Most living and loving God, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Father God, for the gift of this beautiful day, God. And, and we ask, Holy One, that today that we approach this day as such and that we may be a gift to others, God, as you put in our path. I ask, Holy One, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let us go to the scripture this morning. Again, Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 9, and then we will jump to 18 to 23. And it says this, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the paths, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. We'll go to verse 18. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears a message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is a seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution becomes of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. This is the word of the Lord this morning. Just a little bit of background of what was going on here during this time. Um, let me start off with this question. Have you ever been in a situation where, where you are able to see something, to witness something, to, to, and be able to say, God, this is a good thing. But yet there is someone else that is observing the same thing you are, seeing the same thing, being able to witness the same thing, and yet they don't seem to think it's a good thing. Have you ever been that been in that situation? And it makes yourself say, how can you not see it? I mean, it is so obvious. And, and why can't you see the same thing that I'm seeing? And that's what was happening 
here with Jesus. See, by this time, we're, we're in chapter 13. If you, if you look at chapters um, 10, 11, and 12, you'll see that Jesus is preaching. Jesus is teaching. Jesus is healing. Jesus is, is uh, you know, restoring. Jesus is, is doing some amazing things. And yet, some people still did not see him for who he was. And there were people that still were not happy with the things that he was doing. Again, preaching, teaching the good news, restoring sight, helping people, delivering them from the, the possession, the demon possessions that they had. And yet, people still did not like what Jesus was doing. And the interesting thing here is that the opposition was coming from the religious groups, from the people that you and I would think should know better. And so the disciples here are saying, what's going on? We're getting opposition from the people that we thought would understand this and be happy about the things that Jesus is doing. And so here, Jesus answers their question with a parable, the parable of the sower. Now, something interesting about this parable, Jesus, um, in his parables and in his teachings, use a method that is uh, identified today as an inductive method of teaching. And, and what that means is that um, in the parables, Jesus didn't necessarily just give the answer right away is he gave the information, he gave the examples, and he gave the stories, and then allowed the, the students, or in this case, the disciples or the hearers, to, to arrive at the same conclusion, to, to discover the answer rather than being told the answer. And I think that is, that is an, a great way of teaching because when you do that, and that's a, one that I, I try to, to model, is because when we allow um, the students um, to be able to arrive at the, the answer, to be able to discover the answer, then we also allow them the experience of that aha moment, that, that, of that Holy Spirit moment in which, in which the Holy Spirit helps them understand and, re, and reveals to us what it is that we're supposed to learn. When I was doing my internship in hospice, uh, one of the chaplains that I was working with, I think what we're talking about, in fact, we're talking about teaching Bible study. And he says something that was very powerful that to this day I still hold it very dear in my heart. And he says, you know, a good teacher doesn't teach the students what he has learned, but helps the students learn what he or she has learned. And, and when we talk, look at the way Jesus did his uh, teaching, is that's exactly what Jesus does, is he allows them to, to get there, to, to arrive. However, this particular parable is different. Because Jesus here, I don't know if it's because he saw that the disciples still couldn't um, understand. It just didn't make any sense to them. And I can, I can tell you, I can relate because today... I can have some conversations with some individuals about some current events and, and you sit there and you can say, how do you not see it? And so, so I imagine that that's what was going on here. The disciples were saying, you know, teacher, I hear you, <clears throat> but I just still don't, don't understand. And, and so Jesus here goes back to the parable and, and explains it point by point. And that's what we see in verses 18 through 23. And what he does here is he basically tells them it is a condition of the heart. 
It is a heart condition. And that's extremely important for us to understand today. So um, let me, let me um, jump to this now. There is such a term that we use a lot at work called um, desired outcomes. Um, so, so we understand what we want our outcome to look like, and then everything that we do um, basically um, supports that and helps us be able to get there. When I thought, I thought about this, because when I was reading the scripture and I looked at, at the, the fact that it's using an example of farming, um, the first thing that came to my mind is, is what is the farmer's desired outcome? And that is to produce the harvest. That is, that is what they want to do. They, they don't just plant just to plant. I mean, there is, there is a specific reason. There's, there's a specific outcome that they're looking for. And so just like a good farmer will know that it requires good soil, a good farmer will also know how to identify bad soil or soil that is not good for, for planting. In fact, even today, you might get some, some people that understand um, how all that works. And, and you'll say, I remember one time saying, I, you know, I, I wish I could plant this kind of tree. I don't remember what it was. And then someone said to me, well, that, those kinds of trees do not grow well in South Texas because of the heat and how dry um, it is. Um, and so, so, so we don't just understand the importance of good soil. We need to also understand um, the bad soil and what happens when the soil is just not in the right condition. And the same relates to the conditions of our heart. We must be able to recognize the conditions that cause us to be fruitless. And wh why is that important? Um, as I mentioned a, a little bit ago, because it helps us understand better rather than judge the individuals. Because when we understand that it's a condition of the heart, then it, then it, it helps us, it leads us to pray more rather than give up on people. And we saw the way Jesus handled those situations. And, you know, he demonstrated amazing grace and, and patience with some of these individuals because he understood that it was a condition of the heart. And I think that is valuable information for us in, as, as a church, for us as, as ministers, pastors, um, for us as Christians to understand that when we deal with, with those individuals, when those individuals, those opportunities um, are... Um, are in front of us, for instead of saying, why don't you get it? Maybe understand that it's a condition of the heart. And that is where we need to look at first. So today we're going to look at three life application points that will help us tie the, the parable um, and the conditions of the soil to the conditions of our heart. Just um, a couple of things to, to understand here is, in this particular situation, the, the sower, or the farmer here is God. The seed that is being planted is the gospel. And the soil and the conditions of the soil is um, uh, us on the people. And the one thing to understand here is that the, the, the sower doesn't change. The seed does not change. But the conditions of the soil are the ones that change. And that's why it's important that we understand that. So today, I want us to look at a couple of those conditions of the heart to help us understand uh, some of these 
uh, things better or better apply the scripture um, to our everyday lives and, and to the people that God puts in our paths for us to help minister to. Life application point number one is a hardened heart. It is important that we understand that, that some of these individuals have gotten to a place in where their hearts have just gotten hard. When Jesus talks about the, the, the seeds that fell on the path, that's what he's talking about here. And, and see, back then, they didn't have cement roads. Um, they had dirt roads. But they had been so compacted because there, was, there had been so much traffic as people walked in through on those paths that the dirt had gotten hard. And, and so compacted and hard that, that when the seeds fell, it didn't penetrate. Um, it's not that it wasn't soil. It's just that the soil was too hard. And let me tell you, we can apply that to our lives today. One thing that I have understood now as a pastor, and that is when I deal with individuals whose hearts are hardened, I realize that it's not necessarily a decision, but it is a place that they've gotten to. It is a condition that they're in today. And, and, and many reasons um, can take us there, you know, life alone. Our experiences are difficult experiences disappointment, significant loss. And, and we can go on and on and on, and all those things can lead us to a place in where our hearts just get hardened. And it won't penetrate. And where scripture says that the seeds stay in the surface, and so the birds are able to, to eat it and snatch it away. And in this particular scenario, the, the birds in this case would be the enemy. That, that when the, the word, when the seed, when the gospel is, is brought to the individuals, then, then it just stays on the surface and the enemy can come and just snatch it away. Hardened hearts. And you know, we can say, Pastor, that's not me. There's no way you could say I have a hardened heart. I come to church. I've been in church for years. I, I serve in ministry. I participate in different things. That could not be me. And I think we need to not kid ourselves to think that that could never happen or we could never find hardened hearts in the church. Because I believe we do have individuals whose hearts have just gotten hardened. And do you know what those people look like? Are those individuals that they can... They can be, have been Christians for years, but they still have no sign of compassion in their, in their hearts. Those individuals that, that maybe have been in church for years, but there's still absolutely no joy in their, in their hearts and, and in their lives. Those individuals that just seem to be bitter and, and, and angry and resentful. Yes, yes, we have those individuals in churches today. Have you seen that person? Could that be us? Could that be me? Could that be you? We hear it, but, it, but we hear the word and we hear the gospel, but it just does not penetrate? That, that we hear the word? Let's answer that question, not, not with, not with a, an answer, but with an assessment. 
Do you recognize yourself in this scenario? When we hear the word, we hear what needs to happen, we hear what we need to do, we hear what we need to respond, we hear what we need to surrender, we hear what we need to receive, and yet we do not do it. We do not allow it to penetrate our lives, our hearts, and our spirit. When we can can still be able to just ignore it, when, when we hear the information and it doesn't change us, it doesn't inform our values, we become indifferent. Yes, I know. Yes, I've heard it. Yes, I understand it. I've heard it a thousand times, but you know what? It doesn't really mean anything to me. Does that sound a little bit familiar? It could. And to some of us, it does. But listen, that, that, that is precisely why we are here today. Because we need to understand. And we need to, to get to the point of, of being able to, to identify what is causing our lives to be fruitless. What is causing us for us? What is causing for us to be unfruitful? What is it that, that when I look at the gifts of the Spirit, Ah, the fruit of the Spirit, it just is not something that is growing, that is that I'm harvesting in my life. And we need to be able to understand why. Not so that we can be discouraged, not so that we can give up, but so that we can come to a place to say, Lord, Holy Spirit, help me. Make me fertile ground. Give me a fertile heart. And we're going to get there. So, so the first step today is identify what a hardened heart looks like and ask ourselves a question. Have I seen that individual? And maybe have I seen that individual when I look in the mirror? It's a powerful question. Here's life application point number two. We need to understand what a hurting heart looks like. Now, a hurting heart is different than a hardened heart. A hurting heart doesn't reject it, doesn't not accept it. In fact, is the opposite. It receives it. It accepts it. In fact, it does it quickly. And, and many times it's because the individuals, because we are in pain. And so when we hear the gospel, when we hear the good news, when we hear that there is uh, um, something out there that's going to make us feel better and be able to take this pain away, then we gladly receive it and we gladly accept it. And then we have this expectation that that, that means everything's going to change. See here, Scripture is talking about rocky soil. And where, where we accept that there is enough soil there to allow it to sprout. But there isn't deep enough to allow it to grow. And so when life happens, when the sun is hot, then, then it withers. So what the example today is when we say yes to Jesus, but then life still happens and, and tribulations happen and problems happen, and rent happens, and illnesses happens, and divorce happens, and problems with our children happens, then, then what do we do? See, many times we have this expectation of a radical immediate change, and when it doesn't happen, then we just give up. We just give up. And that causes us to continue to remain 
in pain. And then we're looking for something to bring some comfort. We're looking for something to fill that void. And what we happens is when we are so disappointed that it didn't happen the way we wanted it to happen, then we start filling our lives in those voids with other things that tend to be more materialistic things. Another example that Jesus uses here is the thorny soil. The, the soil that, that, that has so many thorns, that have so much weeds, so many weeds that, that it just it is just crowded. And, and, and that could also be conditions in our hearts, that, that our hearts are just so crowded with so many different things. And so, so we hear it and we love it and we accept it, but you know what? The gospel, Jesus still competes with so many other things in our lives. On Wednesday, during Bible study, we talked about what are the two main distractions, just use the name two distractions that, that can, can distract us from, from having the relationship with God that we should have. And what, two of those things were, were comfort and noise. See, the reality is when, when things are going well in our lives, when we're comfortable, when, when you know, things are, you know, they're, they're, everything's okay, and we feel like we don't need to um, pray as much as we should, that we don't need to seek as much as we, as we should, that we, we don't even need to go to church because things are just going well in my life. Why would I need that? And then you also have noise, that busyness that happens. And, and, and that's when it becomes a little difficult. When we hurt, we find other ways to fill that void and, and, and feel that emptiness. And sometimes we tend to do it with, with activities, with, with movement, with a lot of things that happen in our lives. And let me tell you something, it can also, and we have to be really careful here because it can also look good. See, instead of saying, you know, I'm going to devote some time to my relationship with God, to, to allow the Holy Spirit to, to guide me to grow spiritually, to grow in my relationship with God, we say things like, well, I'm busy. I'm busy, so I'll try to carve out some time, but, you know, it's just, it's just really hard right now, uh, Pastor, because, because I, need, I have thrown myself into my career, for example. And so, so we can even say, you know what, the fact that I have just thrown myself into my career, it has been good for me. I've, I've made a name for myself. In fact, I'm doing well um, in my career. I'm doing well financially. And, and it could look like, I have, why would you want me to change this? But let me remind you of something that I think is, is just out there and, and there's no way for us to ignore it. You can be unhappy and be successful. You can be an unhappy, successful person. You can have as many titles. You can have the office, the corner office. You can have the biggest office. You can have the, the most impressive title. You can have the most impressive credentials and you can still be unhappy. You can do very well and still be miserable. There are many miserable, rich people out there. And so, so we must be careful with the noise out there because sometimes we feel like it is fulfilling a purpose and it's fulfilling a, filling a certain void in our lives. But at the end of it all, we still feel empty 
unhappy and miserable. And here's one other thing that can choke that life out of the gospel, and that is religion. And and I I I'm sorry to say, but I, I we see that so often when when people come to to accept the invitation, then people accept that they need Christ in their lives, and then we compound them with religion. We just throw all these do's and don'ts and rules and, and, and do this and don't do this, and, and it just chokes the life, the joy out of, uh, out of the gospel. And so, so we must understand that hurting hearts are not looking for religion. We're looking for re relationship with Christ. So we see that a hardened heart, it doesn't work. We see that a hurting heart doesn't produce the fruit that we want to produce. So here's life application point number three, and this one is really important, and that is a healed heart. A healed heart, a heart that has been healed will produce fertile soil. It would be the right soil. It'll be the soil that is necessary for the Word of God to grow in our hearts. In order for the Word of God to grow in our hearts, it must be planted in the right soil and then carefully cultivated with prayer, with meditation, with learning, with reflection. This Word of God then will produce results that will absolutely astound us. And it will allow us to grow and transform our lives into the image of our Lord. You know, for a healed heart, I will look at four different steps, four different things that is important that we see that will happen in our lives. God will open our eyes to the glorious truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we allow the Lord to start healing our hearts, when we get to a place and where our heart is healing, then we are able to see the promises of the gospel. We are able to see the word of God as love letters instead of, um, of rules and regulations. We are able to see that the promises of the gospel apply to every single one of us. You know, it says that when it falls on the right soil, we get a hundred percent back. Every, imagine that if, if you are planting something, that you get something for every seed that is planted. And when we get to a place where our heart starts to heal, then we're able to open our eyes to the beautiful promises of the gospel. Here's another one. God will heal your heart by confronting any personal sin that is causing the damage. Church, this is really important. Many times we want that radical change. And, and maybe we even ask ourselves, why aren't things changing? And we've got to ask ourselves, have I, um, do I have any sin in my life that I need to just stop, that I need to repent of, that I need to identify and just let it go? And, and, and when we get to a place in where our heart, um, the God starts healing our hearts, then, then it gives us the strength and it gives us the courage to be able to work in that process. You know, I used to, um, I used to struggle with that situation. I used to struggle with some sin in my life that I 
I was tired of it. And I wanted to, to not be hurting the people that I loved anymore. And so I started praying, test me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and reveal, reveal to me those things that I need to change. And a pastor um, told me, you're a brave man for praying that God test you and heal and, and, and try you. And, and I, my response to him was, I am not brave at all. I'm just tired. I'm tired of hurting. And I'm tired of hurting the people that I love. And, and when I started allowing the Holy Spirit to work in my life, not only did it look enticing, but I wanted it. I wanted to surrender these things. And, and so, so I invite you to allow the Holy Spirit to work in your lives so that we can get to that place of healing, but it must start with a place of repentance and understanding what it is that we need to surrender. Number three, God will heal your heart by causing you to offer radical, undeserved forgiveness to others. Let me tell you something, that is the best um, medicine to heal that there is out there, is to be able to just forgive. You know what? Forgive even if they didn't apologize. Forgive even if you haven't seen them anymore. Just do not allow that, that resentment or that pain or that hurt to continue to haunt you to weigh you down. So instead, you just forgive. And you, when, you, when, we, when we get it, when we understand that forgiveness is not about them, but about us, when we understand that forgiveness really means that I'm not going to allow you to penetrate and, and to, to rob me of my joy and rob me of my experience and rob me of my personal growth and relationship with God, then it is much easier. It becomes a lot easier to just forgive radically. It doesn't even require an apology. Oh, doesn't a healed heart look awesome? Don't, don't we want that? And here's the fourth step. When God truly begins to heal your heart, he will cause you to not waste your pain. And here is where we do see a radical change. Here is when, when our hearts come to a place of healing and wholeness, then we not only understand the pain that we went through, but we want to use it. We want to use it to be able to help others, maybe even prevent them from having to go through that hardship. But if they are going through it, help them through that. Help them see what it looks like to be able to overcome it. Help them see you as the witness and testimony of what God can do when you allow him to heal your heart and, and you're able to use every ounce of pain that you have experienced in your life and be able to help others through theirs. It almost makes us say it's, it's all worth it. You know, I'm, I'm going to give you an example and, and it's just my own, my own personal experience and journey, but I found my calling when my mom was in her deathbed. My mom died of cancer and, and when she was struggling uh, with breast cancer and when she was struggling and she was in her deathbed, it was there that I discovered my faith, my calling. And I was able to see what 
what faith is supposed to look like. Because although, yes, she was hurting, and yes, she was uncomfortable, and yes, she was in pain, her spirit was never shattered. Her faith was never shattered. And, and I was able to witness that. And I think that, that now that my mom knew that her baby boy found his calling in her discomfort, I think she would probably say it was all worth it and would even do it again. I have seen, I know some stories out there of some beautiful stories of, of beautiful examples of how you have overcome and how life had just given up on you and you allowed God to be able to restore you and bring you to a place of wholeness. And now you're even using your gifts and your talents and even your pain to be able to help minister and help others. So it's time that we not just take our place and allow the Holy Spirit to do this, but that we can go out there and do something with it. I have used this example um, in our church, and I, and I think it's an important one. You know, if you were to come to our church, to our building, and it was the first time you ever came, and all of a sudden the lights would go out. If it's your first time here, you might have a hard time trying to be able to get out because it's just pitch black. You've never been here before. But those of us that are familiar with this place, we would be able to find our way out. But this is the beautiful thing about ministry, is that it's not just about us figuring a way to get out, but to be able to go to those that are hurting, those that are in that pitch dark place, those that have never been there before, and be able to hold their hand and tell them, follow me, I will help you get out. It is a beautiful thing when we can use our pain, when we can use our testimonies, when we can use our stories to help others see what that looks like, see what being a more than a conqueror looks like. So I will close with this this morning. What is your desired outcome? Is it healing? Is it reconciliation? Is it restoration? Is it peace? Is it joy? Is it hope? Then you're in the right place this morning. And now I will tell you, many of these things require for us to do our part as well. Oh, the Holy Spirit will guide us. The Holy Spirit will lead us. The Holy Spirit will take us to that place. But I promise you, it is amazing when you're able to do your part. Where instead of you waiting for somebody to come and apologize, you initiate that conversation and you go to them. When, when instead of, of, of waiting for, for these things to happen, you decide to get up in the morning and allow the Holy Spirit to take charge. And we have been given dominion over these things. So what is your desired outcome this morning? Because I promise you that when you come to a place and where you allow the Holy Spirit and God to heal your heart, you will become fertile soil. And a hundred percent of the promises of the gospel, a hundred percent of the promises of the fruit of the Spirit will be the harvest of our hearts.
This is the word of the Lord this morning. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Most Holy One, we thank you for this message. We thank you, Father God, for being the amazing sower that you are. And we thank you for the gospel, the seed of the good news of your word. And we thank you for the opportunity, God, because you love us so much that you help us through your Holy Spirit identify where we are in our lives. Are we in that place, God, where we've gotten so heartened because so many situations and such so many people have just walked over our hearts so many times that it's just become hard? And today, God, we ask that you break that down, God. Break us down to the point that your gospel will be able to penetrate. And not just to the shallow place, but deep deep into where, where your word, where your spirit will, will change us, will transform us. Father God, for those of us that have hurting hearts, God, today we are thankful because today is the day of healing. Today is the day in where we hear your promise that says, for he will heal our hearts and mend our broken wounds and, and mend our broken bones. And so we thank you because you are the God that can take our brokenness. You are the God that can take what is wrong. And you are the God that will make it right. And we thank you today, God, for allowing us, Holy God, to see that we are more than situations, that we are more than what, what life has happened to us, but that we are children of the almighty, powerful God. That your word tells us that we are more than conquerors. And so today, God, we, we surrender to you. We remove all obstacles. We remove all walls. And we just stand before you in 100% honesty and say we need you to bring that healing in my heart. So that I can be that fertile ground that will help my marriage, that will help my family, that will help my co-workers, that will help my city, that will help my state, that will help my country. And it starts with us today. Give us your eyes to see. And today we have your ears to hear you loud and clear. We thank you. We thank you for loving us so much that you give us the beautiful gift of truth this morning. And we thank you for the good news of the gospel. And it is in the most powerful and the most beautiful and the most comforting name of Jesus that we, de that we declare this as done. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. It is our prayer that this message and these services are a blessing to you. Please let us know how you are doing. Visit our website, nb-ccc.org, and let us know how you are doing. Submit your prayer request so that we can continue to keep you in prayer. And this is also an opportunity for you to give your love offerings and your tithing. Please remember that it is important that we continue, that you continue to support our ministry so that we can continue to go out and continue to sow the seed that is so necessary. We thank you, we love you, and we can't wait to see you on Wednesday for our Bible study. God bless.